0: I'm Jesse Schneblin and I'm here with Summer Stallbomber. And today, we are actually sitting with the Startup Junkie podcast. Um, We're here with Jeff Amerine and Michael Eisman. Um, So I'm just going to quickly introduce them, and then we're going to chat with them today. Um, Jeff Amerine is the founding principal of Startup Junkie Consulting, um, and he's held a lot of senior leadership positions um, in nine startups, three Fortune 500 companies. Um, You've also held several University of Arkansas leadership positions, um, and also served in the United States Air Force. So today, we're very interested in talking to you about leadership. Um, And we're also with Michael Eisman. He's the Chief Relationship Officer at Startup Junkie. Um, He's assisted in over 500 new ventures. He's also a Walton College alum uh, with a finance degree (laughs) and an entrepreneur in his own right. And we're going to talk about that in a bit. Um, So really, do you guys want to just tell us a little bit about yourselves?
1: I had a really hard time keeping a job. Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think she did a lot better job than we could do. <laughs> that, <is right. laughs> that was a great intro. Yeah. Mostly true. <laughs> so, so, yeah, well, I came from a military family. Mm-hmm. This is Jeff Ryan speaking, for those of you that are on the podcast listening that haven't heard me before. But I came from a military family, lived in a bunch of different places, moved 33 times uh, during the course of my life, so lots of moving in the military. Learned to be very resilient. Never thought I would be an entrepreneur. I went to the United States Naval Academy and then spent six and a half years in the Air Force. Mm -hmm. And I started my career at Westinghouse and system engineering and product management, a lot of international business. And then after that, it was a bunch of different startups. So part of what I, I think took away from that whole experience was just the idea of working with diverse groups of people and figuring out how to get them to achieve important things and, and build great teams. That was one of the things I learned along the way. Awesome. Uh, As for me, uh, I'll
2: give you a few cliff notes. Uh, (laughs) But yeah, basically, I I grew up in Kansas City and I um, went to high school in the suburbs there and came to the University of Arkansas in 2010. And my junior year, I got an internship that I'm not just saying this because Jeff hired me for the internship, (laughs) but was a pretty pivotal point in what my life has been over the last eight years or so. Uh, where I started with the ARC Challenge, and it was the first accelerator that had been put on in the state of Arkansas. Um, Jeanette and Jeff were leading that and got to meet those two people who have you know, introduced me to a lot of different people and opportunities that have mm-hmm. really helped. Um, since then, I took Jeff's class senior year and started a business called New Bio Venture Bodies. Development. Yeah. Um, and Shameless promotion. <laughs> the Walton College Entrepreneurship yes, venture. Yeah,
0: Venture
2: uh, It was a great class where we learned about how to formulate the business plan, effective communication in a business setting, uh, and, you know, got my first, like, nice suit then because we had to go (laughs) do actual business plan presentations. And um, we did pretty well in the competitions and then ended up launching the business and then I ended up going and working at Cerner, which is a big mm-hmm. healthcare IT company up in Kansas City. Met a lot of great people, learned a lot, but it was not necessarily the fit for me. And about a year later, uh, Jeff gave me a call and said, "Come on back, we got a spot <laughs> for you." And so I've been at Startup Junkie for um, it'll be one year in, on September first. More than or, no, one no, year. no. Sorry, you're, I, you're I in a time. <laughs> yeah. It was one year to the day. I was like, day. "You've done a lot." It was, it was one, <laughs> one year, year to the day at Cerner actually, um, but it was, it'll be. Three years on oh, September 1st. Awesome. Sorry, yeah, I'm getting that's old. awesome. Uh, that's awesome. <laughs> you're not allowed
1: to have those kind of lapses. Yeah. <laughs> Michael was also an Eagle Scout. And, and oh, very okay. committed to scouting, so he's yeah. he's been in a lot of leadership roles over his, right. his yeah. from a young person on.
2: Yeah, for like seven years, I worked at uh, Boy Scout camp all summer long. And first, it was teaching merit badges like mammal study and teaching kids about stars and snakes. And then uh, ended up being the program director there for mm. the last couple of years. And that was a awesome experience to yeah leader group like 60 16 to 20 year olds (laughs) away from their parents do
0: you teach also um i read somewhere that you teach at the new school yeah or okay i teach
2: an entrepreneurship class there for their eighth graders to
0: eighth graders that's Um, awesome um Um, what you know i you guys have both been in a lot of leadership roles but can you give us your definition of leadership or how, how would you define leadership
2: uh one that has stuck out to me is leadership is being, bringing out the best in others. Um, and I also think that leader being the person who can define reality, um, or the, I think that gives a lot of the stability that the rest of an organization or a team needs. Um, so I think those are two that have always really stuck out to me. So, okay.
1: Yeah, I, I'm, it's, it's complex. Right? Mm-hmm. It's a complex subject, but I think, and leadership can be differentiated from management, but leadership is not being afraid to stand in front but realizing that your team is everything when you're a leader you need to you need to figure out how to serve them well so that they can not only help the team achieve what it is you're trying to achieve but uh, realize their own aspirations and goals so if you if you focus as a leader on building great individual skills in your team and empowering people then good things tend to follow and there's one simple statement that I've always followed for lots and lots of years. And I think I heard it first from a, a guy who was an instructor when I was in the air force. And he said, the secret to leadership is when things go well, pass along all the credit. Hmm. And when things go poorly, take all the blame. <laughs> so, so that's the philosophy that I try to follow. Wow.
2: Well, he does a good job. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anytime. And fortunately things don't go poorly too often around here. We were talking before we went on about how I lost a podcast episode. Um,
0: Yeah, (laughs) our worst fear. (laughs) Uh,
2: But fortunately, it doesn't go poorly too often, but there's never finger pointing and and blaming. Um, And I think that's allows a team to feel safe that like you're not worried about being the blame. Instead, it's how do we fix this problem, Mm -hmm. not who is to blame for the problem. Um, And then, yeah, it's a team celebration. And I mean, Jeff's pretty consistent about like i don't need to be the one with the microphone or be out front every time and take all the credit and um yeah i don't need that either but it's definitely (laughs) it's it's, you know nice to be recognized no no that's right that's right
3: and michael you graduated in 2014 correct Mm -hmm. okay so you haven't been out of college for that long um what's that like kind of having such a leadership position at such a young age
2: well i uh i i'm not over a big team you know i've you know managed the um or led hopefully, um, <laughs> intern positions and, it, but we're a pretty flat organization. And so, um, I'd say more of my leadership would be like leading a project that, you know, that I'm like the, the point person on, and then the rest of the team is a support. It's kind of matrix style in that. Um, a lot of times, uh, I think that I don't know. You're never ready for, I mean, (laughs) you're you're never qualified for something until you've already done it. And so uh, I remember talking to Jeff probably 18 months into my role here that I'd finally learned this word imposter syndrome and it did a really good job when I read it on Wikipedia (laughs) of (laughs) describing this, like I'm not qualified to do this job. And uh, one, just having the name for that kind of helped me realize that, okay, you're not going to be Um,
0: can you tell us a little bit just for our student listeners what is imposter syndrome yeah
2: basically like not feeling like feeling like you're in a role that you shouldn't be in or that you're underqualified and like yeah i would not want a doctor with imposter syndrome (laughs) Um, but
0: in a lot of these
2: like loose roles in like entrepreneurial ecosystem development which is kind of the big Mm -hmm. bucket that the work that we do falls under it's a pretty new field there's not like you know books from 100 years ago about this and so um I think having that conversation with Jeff, he's like, Michael, I haven't been qualified for anything I've done for the last thirty-five years. And <laughs> that's so, really true. Uh, yeah, that's really true. Like that, like those opportunities, like you'll, you know, believe in yourself that you'll be able to figure out, figure mm-hmm. it out, and then um, just know that you don't have all the answers, and so kind of put that, like, keep that learning mindset that, right. um, you know, everyone that you meet has something to teach you, and and so. Um, I think those have been really helpful. One, just kind of naming that, like, oh, that's the fear that I've had or that's the, right. the syndrome that I've had. Um, and then putting yourself in those
1: uncomfortable situations mm-hmm. sometimes because that's where growth tends to occur the most. And, and he does lead every day. That's the one thing I would uh, – and, and, and sometimes it's informal leadership. So, for example <coughs> – the Young Professional Summit worked on for the last two years.
3: Which we both attended. Yes, one, one, of, one of
1: the key organizers for that. And and one of the secrets to leadership is being able to influence in a positive way mm-hmm. people to get things done that aren't uh, direct line reporting to you. So mm-hmm. people from out in the community or whatever. I mean, if you're leading, you're not always leading because your name's on an org chart. You're leading mm-hmm. because you're trying to get something accomplished, and people look to you as mm-hmm. being catalytic and helping make that happen. And that's what defines our chief relationship officer <laughs> every day. That's what Michael does. I'm
0: putting you in the spotlight. I feel like- yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, we both attended the Northwest Arkansas Young Professional mm-hmm. Summit. Um, it was really awesome. Actually, Michael, your session was one of my favorite sessions. <laughs> <laughs> nice. uh, because uh, I hope I can talk about yeah, yeah, your, your emails yeah. and stuff that yeah. you talked about. So Michael talked about... Uh, Basically, sending emails to himself from the future. Um, to the future. To the yeah, future. From, the past. from not, the past. To your future I have self. I've not
1: figured out. <laughs> yeah, I do it the other way. I, my <laughs> stock portfolio. To, would be, other, be that
0: much would be, be way cooler. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe I misunderstood. No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, it was really interesting because you were talking about, you know, sending yourself these emails. Um, at first, you were really hard on yourself, and then eventually, you became a little bit more forgiving um, and they became more positive. Um, And to me, I think that reflects a little bit about uh, that student mindset too, about being really hard on yourself in the beginning and thinking like you're not good enough or you maybe can't do it. Um, So how did you, what, what kind of started that change of like, Maybe right, being nicer to yourself. I guess.
2: Uh, Yeah. So yeah, for context, it's called called Mm FutureMe.org. Is this thing that I stumbled upon in like 2013? And basically, you can write an email, schedule a date that you want to send it to, and then send it out. And so sometimes it's like, hey, check this out. Like I know you're gonna like this in six months. (laughs) Sometimes it's like predictions about the future, and other times it's just like a really awesome way to process because Mm -hmm. you're writing for an audience of one. And it's like, there's no filter if you're writing to yourself. Right. And and I did almost (laughs) prided myself on that. Like I'm not letting ego get in the way Mm -hmm. of, uh, you know, so I am going to be hard on myself. I'm not just going to celebrate and talk, tell myself how great I am. Mm -hmm. Uh, But then (laughs) I, so I heard Tim Ferriss, I'm a big fan of his Mm -hmm. podcast and a lot of things that he puts out. Uh, He said this in a way that resonated with me, but basically, like, I realized that the internal voice, like, the way I talk to myself, I would never talk to you that way or anyone else. Right. So how do I think that that's productive or acceptable? That, um, And I wasn't going through, like, an awful depression or anything, but I, right. I just kind of realized that, like... I deserve better, so I started signing <laughs> signing those emails, and I'm still like
1: give myself tips. But now right. it's like love, Michael.
0: And that's so nice. sweet. <laughs> but,
1: uh, it's a fine line between being helpful to yourself and going over to the narcissist. <laughs> right. So I've so got do you have Jeff a mirror in front of you when, down you, when down. you're sending those emails. Oh, yeah. I love me. <laughs> oh, so awesome. yeah,
2: Jeff will keep me humble here. So I'm just gonna <laughs> keep staying around him on these podcasts. <laughs>
1: I really think good.
3: I want to start writing myself emails. Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. It used to be something i do. It's, it's
1: a really clever way to do journaling. Yeah. You, yeah. Know, you know, it's it's similar to, to there was a, there was actually a professor here named named Dr. King that was in the Master of Science for Operations Management a few years back. And he also happened to be a Naval Academy guide. so we struck up a rapport. And that was when I was getting my graduate work completed. And he had us do a career strategy playbook. It's kind of like a business plan for the next five years of your life. And it had some of those same elements mm. where you'd, you put specific targets out there and goals, and they weren't all business-related. Some of them were personal and whatnot. But it kind of forced you to think with an, with an end point or at least an interim end point in mind. It was very helpful, really. And yeah. every now and then I'll go back and look at what I wrote in 2007, 8, or 9 and say, yeah, pretty did that, didn't do that, you know, that kind of thing. But yeah. it's, it's a good idea. And if you've
2: got that future point, uh, Deb, Debbie Millman, who's a really mm-hmm. awesome uh, designer, like graphic designer and a lot of other things, she talks about this, like, um, the ten-year, how to design a life. I can't remember exactly what mm-hmm. she talks about it uh, or what she calls it, but basically, you write what a day looks like in yeah. ten years, and it's a lot easier to get to mm-hmm. that destination, even if it's way, you know, pretty difficult. To even if it's like a ambitious goal, it's a lot easier to get there right. if you know where you're going. And so, to just mm-hmm. kind of define that um, future point, then it makes all the other kind of micro decisions mm-hmm. a lot easier.
1: Mm-hmm. Uh, so, yeah,
2: that's awesome.
1: It's part of the journey. The microphone's on, isn't
2: it? Are you adjusting it for oh, me? we uh, so,
1: Or did you, you, you muted it as usual. So there's just going to be this blank space where Jeff goes off the rails and you hear nothing for a little while.
0: Just a solid beep. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I like, I like what you said about plan, you know, having that plan because that's something that, you know, Shelley Simpson, the keynote speaker at the professional mm-hmm. summit mentioned too, is having a mission statement mm-hmm. um, and to, to like help, help you guide and shape. You know the kind of person you want to be, the kind mm-hmm. of goals that you want to set. And to me, I thought that was just—I don't know why I'd never thought of that. Mm-hmm. Creating a mission statement for ourselves when we do it all the time for careers, but I think that's along the same so idea
1: of a purpose-driven life, right? Right. And you right. can answer that "why" question: is why does this matter, and right. why is it going to matter in the future? And it makes a lot of difference. It yeah. really does.
0: Well, what um, I'm curious, like Jeff, if you. Ever Like, are you actively looking for ways to sharpen your leadership skills or like how do you engage with the concept of leadership on a day to day basis?
1: Well, yeah, and it's and I probably should do more, quite honestly, but I think one of the best ways that leaders can do that is. Is you, you become a good student, almost like an anthropologist in that you, you're studying what people do well and what people don't do well. And not I'm not talking about just within the team, mm-hmm. but reading a lot and then looking at examples of good leadership and bad leadership. I've had a number of my children have also been in the military. And sometimes they'd be having a really bad experience with someone that was senior in rank to them. And I said, you know what? Pay attention to what they do. And sometimes you learn more from a bad leader than you will from good leadership. It's all the things that you don't want to do, all the ways you don't want to treat people. So I, I think being a student of human nature and being an observer and paying attention to what, what leaders do that you really admire and what leaders do that are in it for themselves, and I wouldn't call them leaders, I think being aware of that and then constantly being a little bit reflective and introspective about could I've handled that differently was I, was I treating the team the way I should have treated them? Was I a little too harsh? Was my sarcasm not appreciated in that instance? <laughs> you know, I think, I think being, not beating yourself up, but being a little bit reflective on a regular basis and then staying ahead of, of reading constantly about what people are doing to manage the people part of the business, which is the most important part. Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> Sorry, we're having to move the mic a little bit. <laughs>
3: they, um, they, yeah.
1: they muted my mic again. <laughs> Doggone it.
3: You were talking about how you never saw yourself in the entrepreneurial role. Mm -hmm. Um, And I was wondering, I hear a lot of people say that sometimes where they're high up in some business and they're like, oh, I never saw myself here, but how did you get here?
1: Yeah, so so it's, you know, I should say it was bourbon and bad habits. <laughs> That's one of my favorite lines from a movie I watched some some while ago. And I didn't even like bourbon, but I just thought that sounds so cool to say that. But, but it was, uh, it, it, was if it was. No yeah, podcast, I, 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 I'll yeah, tell you, bad part bad of it was I, was I was always pretty driven. You know, I would say kind of an achiever mindset, wanting to do things. I was the last born of five kids. And so I had two brothers and two sisters and they were all high achievers. And so I always kind of felt like I was running to catch up. As the last born, and wanted to show them something, and so early on there was that kind of motivation. You know, I wanted to go to a service academy, I I wanted to do things in the military, I I wanted to serve, all that kind of stuff that had been a family tradition. And over time, it was I just I was led into business. I enjoyed technology and problem solving, and I spent time at Westinghouse, kind of moving up that ladder. But I was never really satisfied through all of that. I always kind of felt like this is good and I'm achieving what I'm set out to achieving, but it just doesn't feel quite right. And so the serial startup thing was a matter of after working in a large business, after working in a large organization like the military, I realized I'm not a real good order taker. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm probably unemployable because I like doing what I want to do and not what I'm sort of set to do. And so it was this progression towards being able to take on big problems and start things that I was passionate about and to try to build them. And the very first startup I ever did was a consulting uh, business, the one that I'll admit to. Uh, there was one before that that shall not shall not be spoken of on this podcast.
2: I'll send you some pictures. Yeah, Please do. Yeah. And,
1: and, and, and then it was a progression. I realized that really kind of scratched an itch because you were able to see a problem. You didn't have to ask anybody's permission. You tried to build something that customers would value. And I got kind of addicted to that. And so that was that led to nine different startups. And occasionally when things wouldn't go all that well, I'd check back into a big company for a while until they either got sick of me or I got sick of them. And and then I'd go do it again. But it was a progression, this sort of serial pathway. And I will tell you one thing that might be helpful is, is and I'll give you a couple other references about this too, is, I was always on a march towards some destination point, like things will be good when I get there. Things will be good when I make that much money. Things will be good when this happens or that happens. And after going through that, a bunch of times I realized you just got to enjoy the journey because there's no there there. So if you're not enjoying the people you're with, if you're not doing something you really love, if you're not kind of enjoying every minute of it, you're probably doing the wrong thing. And as I got older, I began to realize I'm not going to do something just because I think it's going to lead to that kind of a financial payoff. I've got to really love what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. And so through all that kind of scatterbrained 35-year history of doing a whole bunch of other stuff— I ended up at startup junkie consulting which was the place I was always supposed to be because it's something different every day it's teaching it's mentoring it's coaching it's working with really smart people and that was a that was a a sort of not an end point but it was a place that I didn't realize I was headed but I was headed there all along
3: what was uh what was taking that leap like when you finally decided like hey maybe normal jobs necessarily aren't for me because I feel like m- I would say most people become maybe complacent with the work. Um, And so there must be something there, like a barrier to where most people don't take mm -hmm. that leap. So, what was it like? It's really,
1: really. pathological defect that, <laughs> that I wouldn't recommend, but this is the bad but, habit. Part uh, of yeah, it, this is, yeah. this is the bad habit part of it. I, I, it wasn't, it wasn't overconfidence or hubris, but it was, there was a level of confidence after I'd been in the military, after I'd been in the corporate world, after I'd been through the rigors of big challenges to think I've seen the people that are out running their own business. I think I could do that. And so the first time was I'm just going to go do it. And so I got, consulting contracts lined up before I left the big company that I was in. And I began to work on those contracts. And, and I always kind of had the confidence that I would figure it out somehow or another, I'd figure it out. So it's that, that problem solver mindset, I'm going to figure it out. And it's, it wasn't that I was any different than anyone else. Maybe I had slightly higher risk tolerance, but I assumed if I was able to get a job at Westinghouse once. I could get a job at another big company again in the future and then I was going to learn a ton in startup environment. So I did. And the other crazy thing was I didn't start the first business Real business until I had two kids and one more on the way, which is exactly a recipe for divorce and unhappiness. And I'm still married to the same woman who, who who will be canonized with sainthood at some point in the, in the future for putting up with all this. She was the one person that watched our Facebook live leading up to oh. this. See, there you go. Yay. There you go. And and a good sounding board and somebody that's really kind of kept me grounded over the years and been a partner in a number of businesses. But it was the confidence that I would figure it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, That was what buoyed me. And what I try to tell people when they're really apprehensive, they've been in this good corporate setting, they're making all this money, I said, listen, if you're employable today to where you could be senior manager, director, whatever, in that company, you're going to be even more employable after you go through and try to pull something together for yourself. That's true. Not everybody buys into that, but that was that was what worked for me.
3: Now, when you said you just kind of figured out, when you started that first um, startup, did you have a detailed business plan or did you go into it sort of like <laughs> Hey, I'll figure it out. No, well, no,
1: I'd come, so so. no, it's a good question. I had come from the old school way of thinking about that. Bear in mind, the very first one I started was in the 90s, early 90s, and I'd had a, an MBA-level new ventures course, and I got turned on to the whole thing of, you know, writing business plans and figuring out markets, and so, yeah, the, the first two I had, I had, Real business plans against those that were mostly wrong. It was good exercise in fiction. It probably ought to be get a Pulitzer for the level of fiction in both of them. But, but yeah, I wrote the business plan, and then I went out and tried to follow the business plan. And then you realize, and this is something that's kind of really inherent to what we do, is that planning is a good process, but documenting something in a 50 page business plan that no one wants to read is not the best use of your time, Mm -hmm. but challenging your assumptions and trying to figure out what works and what doesn't, that's a good exercise for sure. So yeah, I did have business plans. (laughs) Absolutely.
3: I always wonder that because I see people, I guess, creating their own startups and it kind of looks like it jumped out of nowhere, but Mm -hmm. you know that probably for them to be successful, there has to be a lot of planning
1: a good business model where where you really understand are you meeting an unmet need or can you differentiate yourself in the market and that's that's really what we teach at startup junkie is the way it's a thought process to to fall out of love with your own ideas and to really listen to what the market tells you through doing good customer discovery that's something we teach and we we are big believers in that process yeah
0: well uh, you know, Jeff mentioned he didn't really see himself here. Michael, is this where you saw yourself? And if not, what would you, uh, this is something we talked about before that also yeah. is since you had written letters to yourself in the future, uh, we have this concept. We, we talk about like talking to future me, like mm-hmm. what would I tell myself? So what would you tell past Michael about, you know, what uh, advice would you give him?
2: So no, this is not where I saw myself. Mm-hmm. Uh, to be honest, I saw myself at Cerner for a lot longer. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was a company that a lot of my friends' successful parents worked at, and it was the largest company in Kansas City and uh, you know, where I had grown up, so it made a lot of investments around the city. I thought it would be great, but I kind of got infected with this entrepreneurial bug uh, <laughs> my junior year when I met him. Uh, As
0: one does. But,
2: uh, so th- there was kind of a shift there that, oh, okay, like you can go and – you know, start your own business. In my senior year, um, Jeff had actually introduced me to Tim McFarland, who is next door, and he runs Elevate Performance, which is a, a, you know, they have leadership forum, CEO forums, and so I get to be a fly on the wall to all of these different CEOs and leaders of small to mid-sized companies as they process their issues and try to understand and you know help each other out. And so learning from them, but also it was Tim and I. And so I was doing invoicing. I was doing coffee. I was putting agendas together. It was a very, like I could see very tangibly the value that I was adding, and I didn't really feel that in the large role. And so that it was around 2015 that I knew – Okay, I I need to change something because this isn't. um, That was when I was at CERN, I need to change something. And that was when I talked to Jeff. For for me, it's been more of um, just kind of following opportunities and then the network effect. And so I think relationships are, you know, people like doing business business with people that they like and if you if they like you and you make a positive impression on them then there are going to be more opportunities that come up and then taking advantage of and, and making the most of those opportunities I think what has led me here which is you know hopefully there's a lot more growth here and a lot of other things that I can do in in my career uh, but someone actually just asked me recently like why Northwest Arkansas was someone yeah. uh, interested in entrepreneurship in Kansas City who I'd known from there and it was really coming down here and then it, like ha- that internship that really changed a lot of things and it wasn't like that was that's the only reason that i'm here today but that started and then it was just taking advantage of different opportunities whenever they presented themselves and taking interest in other people who are doing interesting things mm-hmm. and then Um, and learning from them, and then other opportunities kind of arose. I know that was kind of a long-winded answer, but no, (laughs) no, I didn't expect to be here. Uh, But I'm glad that I am here. Yeah. Yeah.
0: What? um, I mean, I'm sure it was kind of scary. I mean, your degrees in finance, Mm -hmm. right? I'm sure it's kind of scary to kind of move out of that role and into something completely different. But what would you tell, I mean, I guess I'm kind of asking, like, what would you tell past Michael? Because I'm curious, like, what would you tell students who are maybe kind of struggling with that same thing if maybe they feel a little miss out of place in what they're
3: doing or like they can only be in one box like if you get a finance degree you have to go into finance or something like that um
2: so that's a really good question i this
3: is your
0: sage wisdom
3: yeah
2: uh so i this is i i recycle wisdom a lot more than come up with sage wisdom but (laughs) um i read recently like you know the follow your passion is a great mm-hmm. soundbite, um, but a lot of the people who are saying follow your passion also worked sixty to eighty hour weeks for you know two decades, and now it's a great soundbite whenever they're giving a commencement speech. But uh, work hard, like that's mm-hmm. <laughs> that's a, a big part of it, and and you know treat people like be friendly, treat people like like they're your friend, not like it's a transaction. And I think those are probably the two things that. Um, that my that I would give myself advice that I've you know learned over the last few years and hope to you know continue to learn. But yeah, treat people like they're a friend, not like they are a means to your end or like you just need to get something from them. Because if it a relationship starts transactional, then it's hard to build to be relational. Right. Um, and then yeah, just work hard and do what you say you're gonna do. <laughs> and and then yeah, like I'm not doing finance stuff every day, and I think that um, we are kind of just with our current system like you you've got to specialize to some degree but you know you can start a new career at 30 and then at 40 like you can do a lot of different things and yeah don't feel just because you're learning one thing that you're narrowing yourself into you know one percent of the possibilities that are out there for you Mm -hmm.
1: michael's a good problem solver and he's good at critical thinking and he figures out how to say yes to things Mm -hmm. and i think that Oh, as an employer, as this what we look for when we hire people is people that are can thrive a little bit on chaos, that don't mind a lack of structure, and that are good problem solvers, that will figure things out. So we always kind of describe the perfect person for working in startup junkie somebody that's a Swiss army knife. It's like, hey, hey, we got this opportunity to do this. And it's like, right, let's figure, figure, it, out. figure yeah. it out. Let's figure it out.
2: At one point, uh, that was my title on the website. It wasn't Chief Relationship Officer. That was one's so kind sorry of. Nice. Cool. So sorry yeah. yeah. But then I think we were applying for a grant and it didn't make as much sense to- it Sound bad. <laughs> so. Yeah. Uh, I think one of our core values or our mantras is like serious people who don't take themselves too seriously. So yeah, we yeah, try, to, try to keep that yeah. going. Too.
1: Yeah. It's really That's true. Awesome.
0: Well, it makes y'all, like, very approachable, you know, which I, I, I've I seen y'all around everywhere, even before we kind of in, in engaged in a conversation. Thank you, Summer. Uh, but I've seen you everywhere. I've seen your face everywhere. I've kind of, like, heard a little bit about you. We heard the podcast. I started listening to the podcast. That's kind of how I got... Like who are these guys? Yeah. <laughs> it's like, and then I saw that you were teaching. Jeff totally fan. had like a,
2: a, a fan moment where he was walking. That up. That was
1: campus. a good day for me. It's like, oh. oh my god, somebody I didn't even know said, "I've seen your podcast. i heard your podcast." I was like, wow, that was good. That was a good yeah. day. Michael, i met a oh, fan yay. today. Yeah, awesome. I told Michael, I said, we have five confirmed listeners now. This is awesome. Yeah. My four kids and someone I met today. (laughs) That's
0: awesome. Whenever we uh, try to get people on the podcast, I love to do it in person. Like I love to be able to connect with them in person. And so when there's someone I'm interested in, I'm like, how can I connect with them? um i'm not stalking or anything like i'm no, not trying no to no run no no that's first. fine but it's like I, I if i know we're close and what's mm-hmm. funny is i was like okay how i know jeff is at the OV how can i get in touch with him and then i swear the next day jeff just comes walking up the stairs <laughs> <laughs> in will or
1: j walker hall i think yeah. i was going to class and actually i
0: had to be somewhere and i was like i gotta talk to him <laughs> so awesome. it's a sign yeah. yeah it was a sign yeah um,
2: I love it when things like that happen like yeah. as soon as you think about it at the, uh, yeah, those are fun. yeah sometimes- it's like the Bernie or no bader Meinhoff effect or something like that. What is Google that? it. It's like <laughs> okay. wait, as soon you as you... just totally s- made that up. No, no, yeah. no, no, yeah, no. no. All right. It's
0: recycling wisdom. <laughs>
2: uh, it, it's basically like as soon as you learn a new word, then you see it or oh, like you yes. think about someone, you see him. but oh, yeah, it's the, like yeah. you can't explain it. You'll you'll hear no, I, that I've term all yeah. the time now yeah. that I've taught mm-hmm. it to you. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It's precognition. Yeah. Pre- <laughs> We're all actually just a simulation.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that is such a weird feeling though when you're like think or you discover something new and then it's everywhere all the all the time.
2: bader meinhof phenomenon. Okay, that was
1: a real thing. It's wow, really, yeah. good for you.
0: Can I see how like how it's spelled?
3: I just want to. Yeah. <laughs> did you make it's it? Is there like? Did you make the
1: Wikipedia? <laughs> oh, yeah. yes, That's right. how
3: stuff
2: works. It's a spoof. It's a B-A-A-D-E-R-M-E-I-N-H-O-F. M E I N H O F. This is the first time oh, I've uh, ever taught uh, Jeff something on podcast. Nice. I always That's learned great.
1: like he's like you know you know what that word means. <laughs> What's the 23rd element on the periodic table? I actually did run back there and ask them that because yeah. I was working through some kind of creative oh, process.
3: What is it?
1: Vanadium. <laughs> I have no idea, but it's on. It's a twenty-third element on the periodic table. Yeah. Some I don't, kind of metal. I don't know
2: if this is relating to leadership, but one thing that Jeff can do, like he, his mind is like a steel trap. Like he remembers the most with lots of holes in it. Names yeah. from like the seventies or song lyrics from the, what the thirties.
1: Not that, not that
2: far back. But he can. Yeah, he's... Just, <laughs> That's one thing that Jeff has definitely got as a competitive advantage it's I don't know if recal. it's like a bunch of vitamin I E guess. or something. Yeah, yeah, maybe.
0: I envy people who can do that. I cannot do that at all. I what I, I listen to the Joe Rogan mm-hmm. Joe Rogan podcast occasionally. Mm-hmm. And I know they have that guy in the corner who kind of looks everything. Yeah. Up.
2: He talks to him. He's like, yeah, "Hey, he's yeah, like, pull that up." Yeah.
0: Yeah, he would have just googled what you were talking about. So that's kind of what I do. I'm like, "I know that's a thing. Let me look yeah. that up." Not very good at recalling it though. Yeah. Well, we
3: were going to ask you guys about your um to tell about a leader in your life who inspired you, but since you can remember everything, can you tell us about like a leader from just a long time ago who inspired you?
1: <laughs> wow. So well, there was this guy named Moses. Now no, that. that one's well documented. Uh, <laughs> he spent 40 years in the desert, and somehow the people didn't kill him. It was great. Uh, you know, I would have to say that one of the leaders that had the most influence on my life was my dad. And uh, he was a, he was a career command pilot. He he actually uh, signed up for the military. Uh, during World War II by riding his horse from their farm in to sign up for Navy pilot training. And he was actually, his dad, who was who was my grandfather, was a bit of a tyrant, didn't want him to go off to war. And so he waited until they were gone and borrowed his horse and rode into town and signed up to go through pilot training. And uh, he, from a leadership standpoint, he had more influence on me than anyone else. This was a guy that had survived... An aircraft crash, had flown uh, bombers in in Vietnam. Uh, You know, I had built a great family, was gone a lot. So the leadership lessons I learned from him were pretty simple. It's like, do what you say you're going to do and treat your people right, and most things will work out from there but he had real influence on me a lot a lot of people will see they'll see people in politics they'll see people in sports or they'll watch someone like john wayne a cowboy hero in a lot of military movies and they have this image that's who i grew up with and he was the real deal you know member of the greatest generation for sure so my dad was probably the best leadership influence i had Mm -hmm. for sure
3: what an incredible story
1: yeah
2: uh it was awesome to be able to meet him,
1: too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. He actually yeah. came in here. He's deceased now. He passed away last year. But he came in here and uh, kind of held court back yep. there in the back office. And he still had a pretty good sense of humor, yeah. too. I think he told some probably told some pretty inappropriate jokes when he was here. But, you know, you can't help it, old military guy. That's what we do.
2: Okay. Uh, so th- there's th- three people who I've met here in Fayetteville. It's Tim, who I mentioned next door, Jeanette, and Jeff have all been awesome, awesome leaders that have taught me a lot about people, a lot about business, uh, a lot about leadership. And uh, and then there's – so I owe a lot to them of, of my current situation. Uh, but there's one person who I want to recognize, or who I, when I was thinking like who's one person like in some, a couple things that they taught you. I worked at a Boy Scout camp for like I said seven summers, and there was a um, my my last two summers I was a program director, and before that I was running the nature lodge. And the camp director for the end, his name is Matt Wolf. He was in his early 30s. He was in an 80s band, uh, like full dress, pretty <laughs> called retroactive. You guys, they still perform. Uh,
1: God, and like a,
2: a teacher, but he just, um, he had a, a few just kind of simple, um, things that he, I, you know, he would say over and over, um, or consistent traits that I really looked up to, um, one is like he would give people a little bit of rope. Um, like it's not just super strict, but would expect, you know, if you're going to stay up with the Owls, you got to fly with the Eagles in the morning. Like that was one thing he'd say all the time. And, and it was, it kind of mapped out to you can have fun, you can, you know, be creative, you can bend the rules a little bit, but you've got to perform at a really high level whenever you're asked to. And I thought that was um, a good way of just kind of like, Giving trust to people um, instead of feeling like you have to operate in this box. One of the things he taught me was sometimes you just gotta stir their mashed potatoes. Um, and <laughs> so know. there's like. What does that mean? Uh, I'll just let you figure it out. Well, <laughs> uh, in there. So, uh, yeah, that's not quite a mic drop. But, but, but so he, uh, you know, you've got 500 different people, and sometimes some people just like wanna be taken care of, they want to know that, like, they're special, and and uh, he said that when he uh, lived at, or he was living in Kansas City, he was working at a restaurant, and there's people who come into the restaurant, and no matter what, they're going to want to send the food back, and <laughs> there's something wrong, and, and you can either dispute them or be annoyed with right. them, or you can give take that opportunity to make them feel special, and that can just solve a like yeah you put your, your, what you'd want to tell them aside and make them feel special, but it just makes everything a lot easier. And it's like a lot of times you just take their plate back, stir up their mashed potatoes, put it in the microwave for 15 seconds, and then bring it back out to them. Like, the chef said he was so sorry. Here's what we, you know, we totally changed everything. But all you had to do is stir their mashed potatoes a little bit and make sure that, like, they feel special. Like, that, that's something that... Um, it's like you can it's not that difficult to solve a problem because a lot of times it's like people just need to be taken care of that's not something that we can like apply to every situation but it's yeah.
3: applied to the service industry yeah. like yeah. actually in We've food both
2: yeah. for we sure. okay
1: yeah
0: so I can tell you, I've many yeah.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. i don't know a mashed potato yeah gracious about it
2: yeah Yeah. I think yeah he he was just an awesome person and then just kind of the calm under pressure like he blew his lid a few times whenever things were going wrong and like heat like the squeaky wheel gets the oils and and he knew when he really needed to call attention to something but um it was just kind of knowing that you got a calm reaction and it was like how are we going to solve this problem not an angry um or erratic response he was able to define reality pretty well so yeah he was a good leader i learned a lot from and one of my first leadership roles yeah. So
0: you mentioned that defined reality. You mentioned that in the beginning, and, and you're mentioning it again, again now. So I'm just curious. Like, can you elaborate? Like, what do you mean by that?
1: Oh, uh, <laughs> Jeff, can you elaborate on that? You're good at it. I just experience it. I wow. I, I
0: genuinely am not. I, I yeah. don't really. I guess I don't really. Okay. Understand well,
1: well. What you so, mean by so it. I'll I'll give you an example. It's it in it, it, the way I think about it. Yeah. Maybe a little different than what you have in mind. Is, is it's having a bias towards action and acting rather than waiting to be acted upon. Mm. So, so the only constraints that really matter are the ones that you're willing to accept, which means if you don't think you can do it, the game's already over. You for sure can't do it. So you have to believe that you can do it. And as a leader, you've got to set the vision that, yeah, this is possible. We're going to figure this out. That defines the reality for everyone else. Okay. If you go into it and I'm not saying to be Pollyannish or whatever, or just, you know, not have fantasy about it but really setting a, a an aura of positivity that if we work together, all things are possible. I think that that's yeah. part of what you had in mind.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and and yeah, when, when things are, sometimes it's being that final decision mm-hmm. maker or um, just kind of stating with confidence, this is the path forward. Uh, and that can be, you know, in our organization, that's Jeff sometimes, it's Haley sometimes, it's Brett, it's me. It's like anyone can be that person who, Says okay, there's all these different inputs, all these different people, all these different organizations. Um, You know, finances are obviously like a, you know, part of a a decision. But eventually, here, like it's all on the table. This is this is our path forward, and defining that, I think that can be part of it. But yeah, Jeff, I think you described it pretty well. yeah, I guess if I say something <laughs> twice, uh, I need to be the, able to the, explain. Uh, it.
1: The, the other thing I'd say too is, have, is having a, a recognition that people's perf- perception defines their reality for them. Mm-hmm. So as a leader, you can influence their perception by assuming positive intent, something we talk about a lot, and figuring out how to collaborate with people, and and not looking for the worst in an individual's action, but assuming the best. Yeah. You know, and and that tends to. Karma, that Hindu concept of karma is really something I believe strongly in. Is mm-hmm. if, you, if you're a, a force for good and a force for positive things, there's always the powers of progress prevention out there that for whatever reason are going to try to distract you or, or push down an effort that you're trying to make. If you're positive and you keep pushing forward, the good things will happen, mm-hmm. yeah. even with the small setbacks. And I think the leader sets the tone and defines that reality yeah. for the people around them. Thank you, Jeff. That,
2: that, how was that? That was good. And that, uh,
1: yeah, that conveyed the feeling okay. really well.
0: Uh, I like that. I mean, I, I just wasn't quite sure, you know, mm. how, what that meant to you. Sorry. He
1: heard that. He saw. He read that in a dobert uh, cartoon. <laughs> and he thought. He thought he heard the pointy-haired boss you, say I just, that. So. I just recycle wisdom,
3: right? <laughs> oh uh, my goodness. <laughs> from
2: the best sources. <laughs> <Yeah>. right. <laughs> from the we got all
1: the best sources.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Scott Adams, who writes Dilbert, he is an awesome person too. He is. Oh, okay. Read up on he's got a lot of cool things outside of um,
1: Dilbert. Outside, of, outside Dilbert, of Dilbert. Yeah. Dilbert. Okay. You uh, can you can learn a lot from reading Dilbert yeah. though, because yeah. the stuff that he highlights there is not too far from the reality that's defined in places that have really bad cultures, yeah. truthfully. So, mm.
2: uh, but yeah, he's yeah. There's a, a book, "How to Fail at Everything" or "How to Fail at Almost Everything and Still Win Big," and that one I, I loved that book. He goes to, like goes through 19 different failures and. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I took away from that book was something doesn't necessarily need to be true for it to be useful. And Mm -hmm. so, like, you can really try and make sure everything that you believe or think or all of your different principles are absolute truth and you can defend them. But, like, that's not, like, that's wasted energy. Like, if you believe that every time you learn a new skill it doubles your chances of success, then, yeah, like, that's not statistically going to be true. But it's pretty useful if you believe that. (laughs) And, uh, And so, and he talks about how he was not the best corporate, banker or i think he was at um ibm maybe for a little while mm-hmm. he, he was not the best corporate employee he was not the best cartoonist or um or you know drawer and he was not the best comedian mm-hmm. but when he put that he's pretty good at all three of those together he's the best business comic in the world and uh so
0: that's interesting
2: yeah.
0: i have to check that out yeah i never never heard so much about dilbert
2: I yeah. love it yeah <laughs> he actually predicted that trump was going to win like 18 months before the election oh, really? and i thought he was the first time i'd ever seen yeah. anything about him he was predicting that I was and it was when it was like a long shot and he was more of right. a comedian at that point unbelievable uh, at yeah that point. and he made like stated out this whole case about how he's using psycho- psychological principles to yeah. and that he's gonna win and he was right so <laughs> I think, uh, honestly
3: a lot of people kind of said the same thing uh, and we didn't listen yeah <laughs> No, right. that can't
0: happen. Weather, yeah. uh, I, just, I just remembered that you talked about uh, predicting things, giving predictions for the future in your view. What kind of things did you predict? Do you remember any of them? Uh,
2: some of them are still out there in cyberspace. <laughs> uh, I, so I
0: Did any of them count? Like, did any of your predictions, like...
2: Yeah, so this is the Back to the Future Me uh, yeah. letters. I There was one time where I was, like, starting a relationship, and then oh, I wrote no. a letter to, like three or four months, I think it was like four months down the road where it was like telling myself all these things are that are good about it, but then if these things happen then like you no know, like it's okay that it ends because that's oh, not okay. the relationship okay. that you want yeah. and it was like all of the, and i got it like 2 weeks after we'd broken up and it was like all of those things happened and just like oh hey how did i know like, <laughs> so that was a interesting one the okay. power
1: the power of suggestion <laughs> huh yeah uh,
2: but uh, there's uh, there's one that is will probably come back in like 2026 where i just sat down and wrote for like 2 hours about all these different things and i don't remember very hmm. much that's in there. Um, I sent it out a decade, in the f- but it starts with, "Are you really still using email?" <laughs> and, and Because like yeah. that's not something that's evolved a whole lot, where a lot of other technologies have. Yeah. Uh, but if that's in there, uh, I don't know what else is in there. Yeah, but you have me back on in 2026. <laughs> <laughs> I'll I'll let you read it.
0: I really want to use this service. Uh, now. Yeah. Uh, it's just such a strange concept to me. <laughs> like, <laughs>
3: I mean, I guess email has evolved enough that you can send it to your future self now, yeah, so. yeah. yeah. it's important. I think, uh,
2: but yeah, like, communication mm. platforms will be completely different. Um, I think I wrote that as, the, like, cryptocurrencies were starting to become a little right. bit more mainstream. Like, mm-hmm. okay, is, like, U.S. dollar still the standard that everyone's transacting on? Uh, you know, just kind of, it's, a lot of them are, like, asking questions and then, like, right. a little bit of commentary. Uh, but... Yeah, I, I don't... It. Wait,
3: did you write that in 2016? Uh,
2: yeah, it was 2016, 2017.
3: Did you have any Bitcoin?
2: I did not. Have any <laughs> I, it was like two... I bought some, though. I did make some money on that. Yeah. Interesting.
0: Yeah. Very cool.
2: Reported my taxes, too, so...
0: <laughs> Thank you guys for talking to us about all your different leadership perspectives. That's pretty much the only questions that we had. Like, what mm-hmm. is there anything else you guys want to chat about or you want to bring up or any? additional um, leadership
2: stories you want to tell <laughs> there's somewhere i just want to like um, probe some stories out of jeff because i've heard a lot of these oh, different good ones uh so uh, <laughs> well go ahead and go there t- tell, us, <laughs> tell us about american freightways or t- no, well yeah
1: about american yeah. freight so so as the company some of the stuff we talked about with the values yeah, there like and the what
2: values and then like how it I mean,
1: yeah, so so, it's, so American Freightways, which is was headquartered in Harrison and Boone so County. So there's,
2: there's one that I would like to uh, – uh, so the, the way that when you got a new organization mm-hmm. – I'll just set up a little bit of the bones of the story. You had a, yeah. a new organization that was not necessarily like the most yeah, powerful I, one. Yeah, I, I know where you're but going. But you took care of the people.
1: Yeah, yeah. So So it's interesting. And this is one of those things that's kind of driven by serendipity or just being open mm-hmm. to other possibilities. So I had, the, I had really the best career job I'd ever had in my life. I was sitting in Annapolis, Maryland. I was working for a subsidiary of Deutsche Telekom, big German telecom company, and SAIC, which is a big technology company in the US. And I was running this strategic consulting entity, and I was just having a great time. thought that was going to be a job I'd be with, you know, building that strategic consultancy for a lot of years. And I'd come back home where my folks had retired, my dad and my mom, and they still lived in Boone County. And I was just missing, at that point, I had three kids and one more on the way, missing only seeing them twice a year. And so I did a monster board search, just said, well, I wonder if there's anything that would be cool within 150 miles of where my folks live. And I wasn't optimistic, candidly, based on being a telecom and a technology guy. Well, it turns out there was a publicly traded company called American Freightways that had an opening for a position of uh, the vice president of communications and networking. And I thought, American Freightways? and I realized that was started by the Garrison family and I'd gone to school with Tom and Will Garrison who were in my high school who were the, the sons of the guy that had founded it, Sharon Garrison. And I knew the guy who was the CFO and I knew the, the guy who was the EVP of Risk Man. I knew a bunch of people there. They were, they were folks that my, my folks knew. And so I applied, I got the job and I went there and I thought this will be great. My, my wife, who was kind of a cosmopolitan person, we'd lived all over the country, went from living in a place like Annapolis, Maryland, that you got Washington, Baltimore to a place that had 13,000 people. Uh, and it was a little bit of a a cultural shock for him, but uh, for her. But when I, when I got in the mix of the the job, I realized (laughs) that my assignment was to take all the functions that the chief information officer didn't want to manage. So it was like the aisle of the misfit toys, if you're familiar with uh, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. So we had all these functional areas. So I had switchboard and I had IT management, project management, and I had networking folks and all these disparate functions. And everybody in there was underpaid and they were really angry at each other because they were all kind of fighting for position. And they were pissed off at me because here came a new VP from somewhere else from off. And if you you have to be from Boone County to understand that reference, who was going to sail in there and fix them, right? And they assumed that I was a typical corporate climber that was trying to figure out how to make my next steps within the business and whatnot. And so as a leadership challenge, you had to diffuse all that, Mm -hmm. had to convince everybody that you were on their side and that you were going to take care of the people that had really been mistreated and that you were going to listen to them. And so I I flattened out the organization and I reassigned a bunch of people and I instituted having one-on-one meetings with every single person. I had 50 people in that group in short order. And I said, listen, non-attribution, non-retribution, just tell me what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong and what you think we ought to do. And by going through that process in that first year, we went from a place where people were really literally ready to kill each other to probably the best technical organization in the whole company. And I stayed there for through the acquisition by FedEx, it became FedEx Freight, and then my fund meter pegged out because I had a boss that wasn't worth the dynamite it'd take to <laughs> blow him up. And it was time for me to go. <laughs> <laughs> and I any new that's, a, yeah. that's a terrible thing to say. But we yeah. we didn't get along. He was more of a corporate climber and I was somebody that didn't manage well up. Right. I, I was much more about we're going to perform and we're going to take care of the team. And I'm, I wasn't political at all. Mm-hmm. So I stayed for two more years and then left. But that was, in terms of leadership, things I feel good about in leadership, getting that organization right and on the right path was one of the things that I'm pretty proud of over yeah. a, a long career. Long-winded answer. but That's
0: awesome. I mean, that was I, it. I've definitely yeah. been a part or worked for people who didn't listen. And I think yeah. like leadership is also about Active listening—you have to, <laughs> yeah—and I think people miss that a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and when it doesn't happen, just as someone who's worked under some poor leaders who mm-hmm. shall <laughs> remain nameless, <laughs> that really, to me, was like the 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 characteristic or the trait of leadership that I I think I work the best with is someone who can listen and collaborate and mm-hmm. care about your opinion and, and absolutely not just your opinion, but if you're doing good work, mm-hmm. right? sure, they can care about. Um, things that you wanna integrate or, or do. So
1: it unlocks the awesome. power of the team, right? Because yeah, exactly. because yeah. as a leader, you're you, you can't be an expert in everything. Mm-hmm. So you listen to people that know better because they're in the trenches and you figure out how to knock the obstacles out of their way so that they can be successful. Yeah. And then everybody wins. Ultimately. I,
0: my older brother actually told me something about leadership that has really stuck with me. Um I was I was trying to make a very tough decision about choosing a career path. like I had like a corporate job and mm-hmm. the a was calling mm-hmm. and I was trying to decide what to do with my mm-hmm. life. And he had you know we were talking about leadership, um so I was taking on a management role. and he told me that you never want to be the smartest person in the room. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know that's recycled wisdom and he mm-hmm. he he brought that from somewhere else. but he talked to me about how he did that because he's a programmer and he works with um, a lot of these really talented you know coding people I don't know much about that Mm -hmm,
3: world I don't
0: know what they do Uh, but he told me that and it really stuck with me Mm -hmm. and I I feel like being able to listen to that the people who have better ideas than you or smarter than you Mm -hmm. in other areas has been like the most impactful uh sort of leadership characteristic Mm -hmm. that I've hopefully tried to embody I don't know (laughs) you're exactly right say yes no (laughs) Uh,
1: no you're exactly right
2: that's, I think, yeah. That's good. I think to that note, like, the smartest person in the room that kind of um, – you're thinking about a whole person but mm-hmm. know that, like, other people have different strengths. And, like, right. depending on the topic, like, there are going to be experts. they are going to be the people who are smarter. And if you can look at people um, for those specific strengths versus, like, the whole person where you see those weaknesses yeah. too, it allows you to kind of separate any of that, like, you know, competition or emotion yeah, there and, it. like, and really – Value that, you know, the intelligence that they bring mm-hmm. too. So,
0: mm-hmm. yeah. And if you're hopefully you're hiring people who are, you know, smart and, mm-hmm. and have a lot of stuff to bring. So, I feel like when you're engaging that process, of like who am I going to bring on my team? You can see that, you yeah. know, like they have mm-hmm. strengths that complement what I'm already doing or mm-hmm. what I want to do or what I can't do, really. Right.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and then you can have a good team that way.
1: And it requires the self confidence at a leader to be not threatened by that. Mm-hmm. You know, if somebody, if you, if you end up hiring someone that ends up being the CEO of a company you're in, then good. Yeah, You right. did, you did better by the company. You might end up working for them someday. And that's right. something that requires a level of, of self-confidence or are just being kind of comfortable in your own skin mm-hmm. to realize that you're not going to help anybody by holding down the talent and trying to take the credit. But right. if you empower all those people, great things are going to happen ultimately mm-hmm. for everybody.
2: Yeah. yeah. I agree. Uh, Can I remove the pride and ego aspect. Exactly. <laughs> Look at, like, the culture and the company and the organization. Yeah. And,
0: yeah. I think you it's have a to... a lot easier
2: been... <laughs> to, like, say than It you. is. Yeah, yeah,
0: it is. <laughs> I've definitely been in those positions mm. where, like, I get punished for being... for doing a good job, mm-hmm. you know? And I think some people can feel that way when they're mm-hmm. under a leader who is threatened by that mm-hmm. ambition or that movement. Mm-hmm. It's like...
1: Yeah, I heard somebody say that kind of mm-hmm. early in my career. The first real non-military leadership position I had, he said... He said, "You're you're uh, you're making these other people look bad. You know, you're working too hard." And I was like, "I don't know another way to do it. Right. I, I mean, I, I'm not going to not do what I do." Yeah. And and I think that the, when you hear that kind of stuff, that's an example of bad leadership. Mm-hmm. You know, don't don't work so hard. You're making everybody look bad. It's like, no, sorry. <laughs> that's you know, communism is dead, right? <laughs> it, it, that doesn't work. So
3: <laughs>
1: anyway. <laughs> Should we end it on communism uh, as yeah, I think that's good, right? <laughs> yeah. I think it's a good <laughs> mic
3: drop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah.
2: Awesome. Thanks for having us yeah, on. Yeah,
1: this has you. been so, you much so much, much. fun. Yes, been
0: great.
3: Thank you so much for listening to our collaboration with Startup Junkie. Make sure to listen to our next episode on October 1st, where I sit down with Student Body President J.P. Garryham.